This week's episode is sponsored by the Harold Longchin Viking Memorial Service. We'll put you on a boat and set fire to it, for a reasonable fee of 98% of your estate, of course. Entry to Valhalla guaranteed, not a guarantee. All the tabletop role-playing news, we aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me on this special Halloween spooky day is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, I've ever had some Very good, very good ghost sound, Peter. I'm impressed. Ooh, there you go. And you are looking very pale today. I am looking very pale. It's, it's this top, it matches my complexion. <laughs> <laughs> should we introduce our guest? Oh, we should. All right, then. We will. Yeah, let's do it. Our guest this week is Phil Reed, who I've known for about 20 years. He's been in the RPG industry, I think, about the same amount of time as, as, I, as, as I have. Um, and uh, the way I first got to know him many years ago... 20 years ago or so, he was uh, releasing... This is when DriveThruRPG had just launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, the open game licence was all new. D&D 3rd mm-hmm. Edition was out. And I, I first sort of became aware of Phil when he was uh, releasing... I think it was pretty much daily. Was it daily PDFs, Phil? It was very frequent if it wasn't daily. It was very frequent. There were definitely weeks or months where it was daily. But I would say every 36 hours is more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, and these these PDFs were just coming out every day, every two days. They were about a dollar each, and I don't I don't know what the finances were like from your end of it, Phil. But it the, seemed to me from from the outside that you were kidding it at the time. Yeah, the finances were excellent. I was making more doing that than I had been working full time at Steve Jackson Games. Mm. Mm. Yeah, then. Uh, Years and years later, you're kind of doing a similar sort of thing now. But we'll get into all this later. We'll get into okay. all this later when we when we when we dive into you and your projects in the second half of the show. Mm. Um, but just so everyone knows, Phil is a, a prolific creator. Also, he works over at Steve Jackson Games. What is it you do over there, Steve? Uh, Steve, you're not Steve, you're <laughs> Phil. No, I'm not <laughs> Steve. But I meet many people who think I am Steve. I am the CEO at Steve Jackson Games. So you pretty much run the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, without further ado, shall we dive into some RPG news? Because there's quite a bit of it this week. Yes, let's. What's so going on? Some of the biggest news is that Critical Role has launched a publishing company. Mm. It's called Darrington Press. And um, I'm led to believe that Darrington is a character within Critical Role. Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly unusual. Normally, publishers sponsor podcasts, not podcast sponsoring publishers, which is, I guess, a measure of how influential Critical Role has become. Well, Darrington Press um, ha- already has four products announced mm-hmm. coming out in 2021. Mm. Um, the first one's a sort of board or card game called Yukotoa. Yukotia. Yukotoa. UK apostrophe O-T-O-A. Okay. Um, then uh, there's going to be a role-playing game by Matt Mercer, mm-hmm. who's the uh, DM over at Critical Role. 
and he's he's creating a role playing game called Cindy Cult. Hmm. And it's an original modern magic role playing game. Oh, interesting. Sounds fun. Mob families jealously guard secrets and battle it out for power on the city streets. Ah, a portmanteau then of syndicate and cult then. Yes. Fantastic. Exactly that. I was wondering if it's something to do with knockoff Barbies, but that was just me being wrong. (laughs) No, that's an S, not a C. (laughs) (laughs) It became became more apparent. It became more apparent. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting news. I mean, Google Roll obviously is immensely popular they had that kickstarter was it last year or a couple of years ago where they raised oh, 11 yeah. million for an animated show yes which then got picked up by amazon amazon, amazon. amazon. Yeah. yeah so this is this kind of critical role kind of spreading it's uh what's the word i'm looking for wings wings um, not wings tentacles i don't know <laughs> uh, arms i'm not sure you can call, sure you can call it tentacles that's probably not going to go so well but yeah um, well, in the, in the best, in the, in the nicest possible way, I meant that, of course. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, in, just diversifying. There we go. How about that? Yes. That's a better word, isn't it? Diversifying Di- into different things. Diversifying. Try, trying trying their hand at new and different exciting experiences to enhance their brand. Phil, hmm. if, if you follow this. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Russ. For Russ, I like, so I get to be yes. there. He's never, he's, <laughs> That's he's never polite to me. But <laughs> have, you, uh, have you followed this at all, Phil? Not on that end. Uh, I've mm. spent the last year or so on the behind the scenes for the Munchkin Critical Role game. Mm. So which that's is, been which most is another, of my Which is another branch of, uh, of Critical yes. Role going on. And that's there. licensed yeah. through the op, USA Opleys publishing yeah. efforts Ooh. yeah and they license munchkin from us and they find other properties to marry it with and then we work together to bring those to life so critical role is reaching out into all different spheres of the tabletop industry at the moment mm-hmm. yes i kind of wondering where this is going to go how big they could get i mean i can't i've, I've seen people on the on the internet and i don't I don't think that this will ever happen, but people have been suggesting that they could actually start to actually make a dent in D and D as being I, the the biggest the biggest you know RPG influencer, the biggest biggest RPG entity. What's the, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Publisher, but, yeah, publisher, but not just publisher because they're also streamers. Brand, and, I think uh, might yeah, actually be a good word. Group. Might actually be the appropriate word. Yeah, because I don't think. This, oh, I'm not I sure. I don't think they would have a major impact on Wizards of the Coast or Dungeons and Dragons, especially oh. the sound of their first RPG. Yes, oh. they're going to attract an audience, but they're deviating from what their existing fan base and the RPG field in general mm. mostly supports. I mean, yes, they're doing fantasy, but it sounded like it was a modern fantasy. Yeah. 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 And that does not appeal to everyone. I'm sure they're going to do great. I'm not oh, great about yeah. that at all, but yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to impact Dungeons and Dragons. No, I mean, by I think uh, they could be sort of in the Pathfinder if they if they if they do start, you know, really developing these RPG properties. They could be in the sort of Pathfinder sphere, maybe. But they could be is, becoming yeah. a second or third biggest company would be pretty impressive because there's yes. some really quite large companies which still only make up a tiny proportion of the market that we know about. Yeah. And you had yeah, said I mean, one of those titles was a board game, so they're clearly not afraid to 
try a little of everything. Well, there's a lot more money in board games than there are in um, RPGs, there is. isn't there? Yeah. So, if you get lucky, <laughs> well, yeah, there's potentially. There's not. I do with potentially. There's potentially more money in board yeah. games. <laughs> there's a bigger market for them. Yes. How about yes. that? Is that a better there's way? There's definitely way? more money for the factories that manufacture the board games and the shipping mm. companies that ship the board games. I don't know if the actual <laughs> creators are making more money. <laughs> Um, the Kickstarters yeah. are certainly bigger than RPG Kickstarters. Absolutely. Speaking. But well, again, and all their magnitude as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Massively more. Yeah, it's very hard to say. Yeah. Mm. Okay, um, let's talk about some D&D for a moment, because there's oh, a new Unearthed Arcana out this week. Oh, uh, yes. Have you seen this one, Peter? Something about dragons, I think. Yes, it's a dragon-themed. Yeah. So there's two dragon-themed subclasses, one for the monk and one for mm-hmm. the ranger. Uh, the monk one is the Way of the Ascendant Dragon, okay. and the ranger is the Drake Warden. Oh, do you get a pet dragon? One would hope. Uh, uh, well, you're hopefully looking at the PDF. You tell me so. I'm not looking at the PDF. I'm looking at the news article about the PDF. <laughs> let, me oh, right, okay. the, let me call up the PDF itself. Yeah. Let's have a look. So, the Way of the Ascendant Dragon. They revere the power and grandeur of dragons. They alter their own key to resonate with draconic might, channeling it to augment their prowess in battle, soar through the air, and to bolster their allies. Ah, interesting. And also, you get dragon breath. You channel your key into destructive waves of energy like the dragons you emulate. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. That does sound like a good laugh. Um... Yeah. You can unfurl spectral draconic wings from your back. Yeah. Using and your key. Already, it is better than the Dragonborn Dragon Breath because you can mix it in as part of the attack action. Um, so, yeah. Well, presumably, you could have both if you're a Dragonborn monk. Oh, absolutely. You can have two different dragon. You can have two different breath weapons. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I met that guy at Gen Con. And then the other one was the Drake Ward. Yeah. I also you you get to use the feature a number of times equal to proficiency bonus. So yes, <laughs> very nice. That is, that is just better. Yeah. Uh, so the Drake Warden was the other one, and you asked, "Do you get a dragon pet?" And the yeah. answer is yes. You get a minor dragon, a Drake. Do you know what I've Sorry. always wanted is a shoulder dragon. You just walk around with this little dragon on your shoulder, and if anyone's rude to you at parties, it just breathes a little burst of flame into their face. <laughs> Yeah, like, like we all the rage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. The only problem is, does the dragon get off to go to the toilet? Well, didn't we mention that's what capes were for? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta go through a lot of capes. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's. Oof. That does look like it is better than the Beastmaster. Just trying to see where it's worse, or if it is worse. Um, I suppose you only get a Drake. Oh, starts off with AC sixteen. Oh, plays for a number of hours equal to proficiency bonus until it's reduced or until it's reduced to zero hit points or until you die. Okay, and you can't kit it out. Uh, yeah, all right. Ah. <laughs> this is great podcast material where Peter yeah. appears at the screen and goes. Arr, arr. Yeah, no, it's um, <laughs> it's quite nice. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm obviously a big dragon fan, so I, I welcome this increase thing. And yeah, it's good good for pets. The yeah. vital thing is to keep it from my players because they all start insisting, oh, can I change to be a ranger? Too late. So let's move on. 
Yes, let's. Let's move on. Let's move on from Unearth Arcana and talk about a D&D TV series. Haven't we had one of those? I mean, this is a brand new D&D TV a series. A new D&D TV series. Well, it's not actually a new D&D. It's rumours that maybe there might be one in the future. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not announcing... Exclusively <laughs> announcing live on this podcast that there is a brand new D&D TV series. Um, but the Hasbro earnings call happened the other day. Okay. Is, uh, and uh, the chairman mm-hmm. of uh, Hasbro, Brian Goldner, um, okay. he mentioned the upcoming D&D film on the call. Yes. Uh, but he also mentioned... Dungeons & Dragons live-action television, and that that there had been very strong interest. Oh, yes, I'm actually going Yeah, he says, we've talked about how many global streamers and other terrestrial broadcasters have been very interested in Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all the news. So, Uh, you know, don't don't grab that and think, (laughs) (laughs) right, there's definitely a D&D TV show in the works. But Mm -hmm. it does show that they are thinking in those sort of directions. Mm-hmm. Could so. you read that again, though, uh, actually? Yeah, I'll read out the entire quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, they're also working on a couple of different approaches because there is so much mythology in canon to Dungeons & Dragons for live-action television, and there's been very strong interest. We've talked about how many global streamers and other terrestrial broadcasters have been interested in Dungeons & Dragons. That sounds to me like they're planning some sort of, well, critical role-esque type of TV series. Maybe well, an online one, a web one, maybe. Hmm. And but rather than being Without the special effects action. needed. To, hmm. Yeah, without actually needing to script something that would require special effects or something. Oh, I think, oh. who was it who did that with the DC Hero system recently? Didn't DC I mean, when I say recently, do that? I mean, I mean like a year or two ago. Yeah, I remember that. But wasn't that actually driven by DC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, but it was on TV. It wasn't on. Oh. It wasn't on Twitch or anything. It was actually on TV. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was no, on some, some obscure channel over there in the US, so we didn't get it here. The so fact I've, they I've, fixate I've on the the fact the quote fixates is on streamers and broadcasters. Mm. Makes me think that they're potentially looking at the size of the audience watching these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And can they get a chunk of that money? Which is funny, considering the previous uh, mention of Critical Role moving into publishing. Mm. So if Critical Role's moving into publishing, and then we see Hasbro start moving into broadcasting mm-hmm. scripted play, uh, basically think of it as reality television D and D sessions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could happen. I mean, Critical Role has already moved into um, TV anyway with its uh, animated series. Yeah. So, so you know, I, they've, I got the con- just... they've got the contacts and they know who to talk to. It wouldn't surprise me immensely if they suddenly announced that Amazon was going to show Critical Role on Amazon TV. Yeah, that wouldn't Ooh. be a shock. Yeah. But just thinking about it from a financial standpoint, I could see where Hasbro would not be ready to dive into something that requires a lot of special effects and yeah, yeah. on like on location or green screen work, but they could easily yeah. do a very high end, essentially streaming game sessions. Yeah, series. Yeah. I think the only the only problem with that is that streaming game sessions tend to be like four hours long, and that isn't really TV length, is it? I they'd, ha- they'd have to make it. They'd have to cut that down to sort of hour long, hour yeah. long shows. 
and I suspect that Hasbro can afford the editors to do that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it was very, very heavily edited, so you weren't literally yeah. watching the entire, you know, all the bits I in would, between and all the chit-chat and everything. Like, well, like if they went the reality TV approach, it would be primarily scripted. If they need specific die rolls to come up, there'll be a second unit whose job is to just roll the die a thousand times until they get the, <laughs> until the right results they need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm cynical, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just keep an eye on that space and see what happens then. Uh, hmm. Who knows? What I do know is there's going to be a big red dragon, eight inches tall, that you can buy for sixty nine ninety nine from Wizkids. Mm. Interesting. Which is the next release in their chromatic dragon figure series, their um, icons of the realms, and this yeah. is the adult red dragon premium figure hitting stores in February twenty twenty one. Yeah, didn't we have a how much? How much is that? How much are they proposing to charge for six nine ninety nine? Did you say sixty nine ninety nine? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Is it pre painted or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big plastic pre painted. Yeah, interesting. Because uh, there was I'm a interested. giant. I've 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 got upstairs. I've got the I think it was the gargantuan red dragon, which is Whiskers. well over yeah, well over a foot tall. I think it's, it's a good. Uh, it's a good. 12, wow. 13 inches tall, so it's bigger than this one. This is smaller than than that. But yeah. Still, it's not a small miniature. No, absolutely. Yes. Ah, interesting. And I do enjoy a good dragon miniature. Yeah. I, I have several. It's just times. it's just the face of the players mm. when you just plonk it down on the battle map. <laughs> right. Interesting. It's something that only a, a large miniature can possibly do. Yes, yes. Something much bigger than normal Orcs yeah. or Lego pieces. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, this is a dragon. Uh, things are real now. We should pay attention. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you use miniatures at all, Phil? At times, mm. not as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And if we look at 2020, then definitely not. <laughs> Fair enough. Most of the time, if it's uh, minis coming on the table, we're playing Descent or some other sort of dungeon crawl board game that's dedicated yeah. to that. Well, I, I, I have, that's where I've rooted a lot of my miniatures for, from role-playing. Yeah. Descent, it's like, I, I have all these. I think Beastmen make excellent vampire spawn. The only problem with yeah. miniatures at the moment is that since February, every yes. game I've played has been via Zoom. Yes. And miniatures aren't really all that useful for that. Right. Well, and Roll20 has tokens, but yeah. Yeah, but it's not the same as an actual physical miniature that you can plop down on the table, is it? That that is very true, but then taking a very large red dragon from the GM layer to the player layer, I imagine wouldn't have the same satisfying clunk sound, <laughs> but but would also result in a certain amount of oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> that seems quite large. We can't see the entire miniature on the map, Peter. Is that intentional? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> GM, I think the scaling system on your miniature is something wrong with it. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. nice. Do you remember recently we mentioned Beadle and Grimm doing for Pathfinder Second Edition these complete character chronicles? Yes, yes, they were quite in depth. Yeah, so when they announced it previously, they said there was an upcoming Kickstarter for them. Yes. Kickstarter has now launched. Excellent. Literally, I think it was yesterday it launched. Mm-hmm. It's already done. 
Yes. Uh, $55,000. And it's still Sassy. got over over a month to go. Right. So this, is, this, is, this is, you know, uh, completely with the backing of um, Paizo partnering yeah. up with Beadle and Grimm, who do those really, really expensive deluxe um, adventure yeah, sets. Yeah. They're very complete adventure sets mm. with lots of paraphernalia, realia, and all the props you could possibly want to shake a large pointy stick at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what you basically get here is you just basically this leather, um, well, faux leather um, sort of covered binder character mm-hmm. portfolio. Mm. which includes um, character sheets, all the information you need to run that class, um, nice, place, nice. place for you to write notes, mm. obviously, yeah. um, all with a nice sort of embossed foil design. And it's yeah. like 20, a 20-page character sheet, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's mm. got like places put in milestones and markers. Yeah, and a journal. And, yeah, yeah. Of course, how yeah. your character uh, ends their career, however that might mm. be. Which is always an important thing. Endings. Do you know what? Do the best bit. The best bit. The best bit. It has ribbons. Ah, ribbon bookmarks. Marketplace. I'm so excited. Sorry, I'll contain my swing. Yeah, I'm an adult. I'm looking at that project now. Yeah. And what I find most fascinating is that the fifty-five thousand dollars is impressive, but Mm. the low number of backers makes it even more impressive. Yeah, so the smallest pledge is $35, and that will get you one class's character sheet. So you'll get a cleric, or you'll get a fighter, or you'll get a wizard. Mm. And that's that's $35 just for that. If you want more, let's yeah. have a look. You get collector's editions of, of the same for $100. And then if you want the complete party pack, you're looking at $400 for character yeah. sheets for the, entire, for the entire group. That is... Quite a bit. I mean, that is a lot. But but like looking at these, they they do the complete. They they do appear to be actual small books. Oh, they look impressive. They, mm, they yeah, do yeah. look very attractive. And I see that the early bird complete was two hundred and fifty dollars. So that's twenty five thousand of their fifty five thousand right there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it is an incredible average pledge especially for an rpg project yeah, yeah. reminds me of some of that monty uh, cook stuff like uh, yeah. invisible sun which was another very deluxe very expensive kickstarter which did incredibly well even yes. though it had slightly fewer backers the average pledge was much higher these yeah. books look beautiful yeah they do they do i mean if you i mean if you want to multiple do you have to get both i guess <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And they are a little bit. Well, how does how does multiclassing work in Pathfinder Second Edition? Well, you don't really. You don't fully multiclass, do you? Yeah, no, you take you take feats to let you do that. Yeah, so I assume you don't need two folios in order to multiclass. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, cleric fighter was a These are larger than I expected too, because it yeah. says they're the size of the core rulebook. Yeah, yeah. They're big. Eleven by eight. Inches. Uh, I mean, mm. it looks like they've got a lot of pages inside them as well. Just wondering what they're putting in them all. Yeah. Sorry, there's, there's much furious scrolling as we're like looking at this going, wow, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is cool. We've got another uh, segment of the podcast where Peter peers at the screen and goes, uh, ooh, uh. No, well, that, that, that will happen, but I think it's like generally going around. Uh, and they're looking to open up a couple of mystery classes uh, for the stretch goals. They've already got the Exciting. white ones unlocked. 
Uh, yeah, so as soon as they hit fifty thousand dollars, wow, forty-two thousand off uh, forty-two forty-three thousand pounds off two hundred seventy-two backers. That's that is in, that is incredible. Mm. Oh, the hey. slipcases look very attractive. Yeah, That's, yeah. Right, I have got some yes. good news and some bad news about Tasha's cauldron of everything. What's the good news? The good news is that on the Fantasy Grounds website, they've put yeah. some previews up. Ooh, exciting. So you can see quite a bit of the interior content. Yeah. Amongst other things, the Beastmaster Ranger has had a tweak. Oh, yeah, sure. Beastmaster Ranger being one of those uh, one of those subclasses that does get quite a few complaints. Well, well uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tricky to play one and have it feel like you're contributing equally. Hmm. Uh, you also see the Origins customization section. You see the section on group Ooh. patrons uh, and a section on sidekicks. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that sounds worthy. Yeah, yeah but the bad yeah. news. Is it by any chance not available in the UK for another three months or something? <laughs> Shipping to Europe. Yes. And um, a, a new word that I only just discovered yesterday, APAC countries. APAC? Yes, I had no idea what that meant either. Pacific, I had to look it up. Asia Pacific. Asian Pacific, yes. Yeah. Asian Pacific, I had right. absolutely no idea. Why? I'm not sure why Wizard of the Coast would put that in, in an announcement when I'm pretty sure most people won't know what that means. Well, maybe if you live in an APAC country, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, maybe. Uh, if you don't, then why would you care? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Europe and Asia and uh, Pacific countries Yes. are not getting it until December due to COVID-related shipping issues. Oof. This yeah. is to wait. This is not surprising. We're dealing with shipping mm. problems constantly at the office right now. Containers mm. are just overbooked. There's more freight than there is space. Yeah. Even air right. freight at this point is taking longer a lot of times yeah. because oh. you will have packages just sit at airports because there's not enough flights going. Yeah, we uh, uh, so. uh, we're, we're for fulfilling a Kickstarter um, of hardcover books. Mm-hmm. And everyone in Europe and everywhere in the UK have got their books. But um, because of COVID, um, individual shipping mm. of items now has something like a, a £20 surcharge to the US wow. just, just for that one book, each package. What? It's immense. So what we've had to do instead, normally yeah. we just ship each one individually yeah, and yeah. everyone would have them by now. We've had to put them on a boat. Yeah. Put the you know a big pallet of them on a boat and get yeah. them over to the US and get a fulfillment partner over there to ship them out instead, which right. costs a lot less, but it takes a lot longer. Yeah, 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 because you're dependent upon things getting to the, and then of course it's got to go through what United States Parcel Service or something. Well, it's got to go through customs. We had we had yeah. to do a lot of exciting new COVID-related customs stuff, which right. was really good fun. Well, I say it's really good fun. Jessica had to do it all, so I don't know how much good fun it was or not. Not Having been involved, I can promise you it was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine not. Well, Jess Hancock, who we had on the program uh, a month or so ago, um, is is Russ's uh, I don't know girl Friday person who sorts this stuff out. And Publishing administrator is the job. title. Publishing administrator, yes, proper <laughs> job titles. Yes, there you go. Yeah. yeah, she does. She does all the stuff that um, she does all the difficult stuff. Yeah, all the stuff that you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Unless it gets done, which I think is a much better way around for all concerned. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so. Um, uh, any other news? So we mentioned a new RPG company coming from Critical Role. 
Yes. There's a couple of ex-Blizzard, as in the video game company, um, people, vice presidents, VPs. That means vice mm. presidents, does it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who, who worked on Warcraft and Overwatch. Mm-hmm. And they are creating uh, War Chief Gaming. So this mm. began two years mm. ago as a gaming club, and they're now turning it into a tabletop games company. Interesting. Uh, so they did an interview with VentureBeat, and they discussed yep. that how they've moved from video game development over to tabletop gaming. So obviously mm. they were sort of behind titles like Warcraft, uh, you know, World of Warcraft and Diablo. Yep. Um, yeah, but um, they say that tabletop gaming is where they first like learned to be creative with their friends growing up playing D&D and Warhammer. Mm. And even after all that big scale Blizzard stuff, they kind of wanted that more intimate scale. Mm. Okay, okay. So they've started, they've started they, a new games company. Right. I am the War Chief. Or what they haven't done is told us anything about upcoming games or projects. So we'll have to yeah. wait and see on that front. But, but if you know would like to buy a War Chief gaming tote, they will totally sell you one for $22. Almost certainly, yeah. <laughs> I might wait until I've seen a game from them, and whether I like it. And then I might think about getting a tote, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, do you know what went out this morning? What went out this morning? Brand new playtest document for Level Up. Oh, yes, yes. Destinies. Hmm. Inspiration and Destiny. And this is one of my favourite mm. playtest documents so far. Because it's basically the replacement for the traits, bonds, and flaws mm-hmm. system in um, in Core Five E. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this, and yeah. I know you've seen this one as well because I've seen your comments all over it, Peter. So I, I I find inspiration to be an absolutely amazing mechanic because it allows me to encourage behaviour I want to see. Um, well, like you know, I mean, Phil, yeah, do do you run D and D Fifth Ed as well? Or? I do not. Oh, I'm um, definitely mm-hmm. older than that. More, 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 more of a GURPS fan? No, not so much GURPS, but uh, more first edition. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, like but I will say, mm-hmm. I've had a great time watching this playtest develop. And oh, are you happy with how it's going? Are you getting some good feedback? Is it improving Very. the game? Very. Mm. I think uh, the playtest process it is mm. hard work, and it does yes, involve mm. quite a lot of, um, you know, you look at the, the the survey results, and you have to kind of read into those survey results what people are, what's behind what people are saying. Mm. Um, but it's proving so 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 useful. Mm. Like every single document, even the highly rated, doc, the most highly rated documents out there, there's still mm. there's still information in those surveys that allow us to tweak and improve them. Okay. Yes. Um, and I think I think one 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 danger with uh, play tests, and I've seen this happen with um, things like the original Five E play tests and some of the Pathfinder play tests. When you do big public play tests, sometimes yeah. people will look at something and not like what they see. Yeah. But that whole that's the whole point of the play test mm-hmm. is that you've included something out there as a sort of um, yeah. like a weather Just sock. See what people think of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you know, it does. You know, that it's important that we're able to get negative. Say no. People can say no to this mm-hmm. and yes to this. So it's, it's now equally is the important time to get involved. Yeah, say it's so equally now important that we find out what people don't finished. Yeah, <laughs> before it's printed and out there, that is the best yeah. time to say, "Oh, had you thought about changing this?" Now, now is the time to do it. Like after it's printed out there, that's a terrible time to get involved. Yeah. Like, oh, they should have done it this way. Do it now. Do it now. Tell us. Right. Um, what else is going on? Let's have a look. See if I can find some more news. Shall I? 
I think we might have pretty much covered it. Oh, I've got a... Ooh. I was going to say it's news, but since this podcast is going out tomorrow, it's probably a little too late because finishing today is yes. my current Kickstarter. Yes. Um, we ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Halloween horror for 5e. It's finishing today nice. so that I can get the PDF versions out tonight. Mm. for Kickstarter backers, so they've got them yes. in time for Halloween. Obviously, the soft covers will take a week or two, but um, yeah. the PDF, the PDFs will go out as soon as it ends tonight. And then people can what? have nice Halloween-themed games for, for, for the weekend. What That's is your next project? So the next one, um, I haven't actually announced it yet, but I might as well announce it now because it's all set up and ready to go. Yeah! Congratulations. <laughs> um, mm. this, this one is a selection. Is I've called it the Advanced... I might change the name before before I... Before I launch it, actually, I'm not sold on the name. Advanced Rules Miscellany. Okay. And it contains five mini supplements. Yeah. I, I, I got I to say, Rush, you're not doing well on Guess the Kickstarter with a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess it's a bunch of rules. <laughs> I think they're advanced. <laughs> and, they are, and they are advanced, yeah. Well, okay, okay. Uh, that's fair, that's fair. So I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not sold on the name, so I might change it. That's um, not miscellaneous. Yeah, we've got, we got Phil Reed on the podcast with us. I, I'm, I'm pretty, this is a man who's named more Kickstarters than many people have at hot, hot dinners. <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> Not that many. Well, I don't know. Maybe very young people. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this, this thing uh, includes uh, rules for archery contests. Nice. Includes rules for battlefield events, which is kind of like uh, mm-hmm. random events which spice up combat encounters, like the weather yeah. changes or the, you find an ancient pit trap yeah. or something, which you roll once once around. Uh, rules for herbalism. Oh, nice. Um, some uh, additions to the chase rules found in the core rule books Ooh. and some expanded rules for hirelings. Nice. So nice. it's kind of an eclectic little collection of... Uh, sort of advanced rules which you can plug into your D&D game. Morris's Adventure Enhancing Miscellany. Yeah, I could call it that. <laughs> and then there will be a softcover right. collection of the same content? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that will launch in about two weeks, I think. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. You're really developing yeah. a process there that is enviable. Uh, well, you know, I, I get my inspiration from you, Phil. So. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're executing it better than I am. Oh. I don't think so. I don't think I am. I, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, there's a couple of Shadowrun books coming out. Ooh, okay. Uh, sound engineer Daryl will probably know about this already because he's the world's biggest Shadowrun fan. Oh, he's not. In fact, he's probably going to cut out the rest of the podcast when he edits this, and it's just going to be about the Shadowrun books. Yeah, it's just going to be Daryl, I think. Uh, and then we'll it's a 20 yeah, minute Daryl TED talk about uh, Shadowrun or, or possibly at some point we can Daryl on and tell us a bit more about what's exciting about these books that would be good well these books are them. they're called Slipstreams is one of them and Gunrack Ooh. is the other okay these are exciting names so, is one about aircraft um, well Slipstreams is a plot book plot? which uh, okay. describes the aftermath of the events oh. um in a book called Cutting Black. Okay. So there's a meta plot going on there, and uh, mm. for those who are following the meta plot, Slipstreams is basically a, a bunch of plots that you can use to run games 
in the aftermath of that event, whatever that event may or may not be. Okay, well, yeah. So good news for somebody. Somebody's very excited about this. I'm sort of excited for them, but I don't know anything about it. So fair well, Gun Rack, on the other hand, is a card yes. deck, uh, 55 oh. cards, each depicting a, a weapons from guns to swords and more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that's deck. been very handy for knowing exactly which piece of murder cutlery you're going to be using at the time. Yeah. Murder yeah, cutlery. Yeah. Oh, I do like that word. <laughs> murder oh, yeah. cutlery. Yeah, absolutely. There's like your your old book is full of about, what, three, five pages of different sorts of prologues. Yes. Classic murder cutlery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like prologues. Hello, your editor Daryl here, keeping this interruption brief. Uh, Both of these products were originally released in PDF back in August, so this announcement is actually about the physical release of these two Shadowrun products. For those curious about what happened in Cutting Black, I do have a spoiler light review over on Ian World from earlier this year when that book came out that I've linked in the show notes, and Slipstreams addresses a few of the dangling plot threads that I wrote about in that review and opens up even more story angles for GMs to exploit in their game. If you are the type of player who likes to keep track of the meta plot, Slipstreams is a must-have book for Shadowrun. Gunrack, I can't really speak too much about because... It's basically just the weapons cards from the core rulebook and the weapon source book Firing Squad that also recently came out. And since I have both those books, I can't really say much about the cards themselves because I didn't need the cards. However, if the cards are as good a quality as the ones from the Sixth World Starter Set, this is a good buy for anyone who likes those sort of easy reference products. Um, I do have one very last bit of news here, actually I've just seen. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplayer has now launched on Roll20. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that should be popular. Yeah, I would think so. I, yeah. I imagine it will be. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I shall. I shall be looking forward to hearing more about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, it was, what's that, is there any news going on over at um, Steve Jackson Games right now, Phil? You would think I'd be better at this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're, you're just in charge okay? you can do so I mean, it's ready they tell you about it but not before I'm supposed to know stuff that <laughs> seems unfair no uh, what are we working on now we have we actually made puzzles puzzles an experiment oh. with something new we have like a Illuminati puzzle or? like physical puzzles that okay. you put together I personally am not a puzzle person no. but people are and yes. uh, it turns out my wife is mm, so yes. she's been putting a lot of puzzles together this year including mm. the new office puzzles puzzles we've been making okay the is this I think to the sort thing, of give out to your players and then they can like a puzzle no, box they can open oh, no, jigsaw no, 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 like jigsaw oh, puzzle okay. oh jigsaw like, puzzle oh, sorry, yeah sorry. Oh, yeah okay I I guess for the people who are stuck at home I haven't done a jigsaw puzzle mm. since I was Probably like 10, maybe? Long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not like that. jigsaw puzzles, then this is great stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. We've been making so, more dice lately. We have a mm. new release for the fantasy trip coming up. We actually have a new Kickstarter campaign for a new fantasy trip expansion coming up. Mm. That's right. been a very fun RPG to work on. Mm. I imagine. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. All right. So. Well, yeah. That, I think, is it for the news, then. We've done it. We've covered the news. Uh, 
is anybody hurt? I am injured. That last goblin slashed me with his cleaver before I managed to cave in his skull. Ha, worry not. I shall pray to my god for your wounds to be healed. All right, here we go again. What do you mean? You know I'm an atheist, right? A what now? An atheist. I don't believe in gods. I don't understand. There's nothing to understand. I simply don't believe in gods. Do you believe in trees? I believe they exist. But not gods? No. But you've met a god. Uh, true, true. I'll admit that I have actually met a god. I mean, we fought alongside Krag the Almighty, protector of the wilds, just last week. I can't deny it. So how can you claim not to believe in him? I acknowledge it's a complex position, but I am the vowed atheist. But, but we live in a fantasy realm where the gods literally walk the earth. Yes, that they do. In plain sight. Yes, yes. Like trees. Like trees? In plain sight, like trees. I suppose so. So if you believe in trees, you believe in gods. Look, let's just say that I accept that I have seen and interacted with gods, but I remain an unbeliever. Okay, is it that you don't believe they are gods, or that you don't believe they exist at all? Oh, oh, the latter. You literally... Don't believe a thing you have personally interacted with exists. Exactly. Now you're getting it. But, but, but you haven't ventured alongside me for nearly a decade, witnessing countless miracles from not just myself, but many other divine spellcasters along the way. Sure. Do you not remember the epic God War, where the deities themselves strode the world, reshaping civilization to their will? Well, yeah, I mean, I was off sick for that one. So when we undertook that mission to defeat Lorax and the Bat Queen, what did you think we were doing? Mm, I thought it was more of a metaphor, really. A metaphor? Yes, I thought it was a metaphor. Uh, did you think it was a metaphor when the Bat Queen sunk her poisonous fangs into you? Look, I see what you're trying to do here. Well, what am I trying to do? You're trying to use that confounded logic of yours to disprove the non-existence of gods. If you mean I'm trying to use a basic reasoning to prove the existence of gods, then yes. Well, I'm not falling for it. I don't believe in gods, and that's that. Fine, fine. Anyway, do you want me to perform a divine miracle to heal that leg of yours? Yes, please. It hurts awfully. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool? Good-looking? That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed, debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top-secret, super-exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. 
probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Right then, Phil. Yes. So, I mean, I've said this to you loads of times before, and you know this already, but I basically, you've basically been an inspiration to me for about 20 years now. Thank you. That's, that's always humbling. Well, I, I never, I never think of myself that way. And whenever it's said, it makes me feel like a fake more than anything. <laughs> so it's just weird. Not oh, at all. I mean, but thank you. I, you. I'm not good at accepting compliments. So thank <laughs> when you. When you do something, I come along and do the same thing six months later. It's basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do the ones that are bad. Just pick the good ideas. When I do something bad, just say good. I don't have to follow that canary. So I, I, I have a Patreon called Insider, which is small PDFs which go out weekly for D and D fifth edition, and they are that is very very when when we set it up, I basically said I want to do with this Patreon what Phil Reed was doing in the early two thousands. Exactly that thing is what this Patreon is. Uh, it was it wasn't it wasn't just inspired by it was pretty much just com- if if drive through RPG had offered a subscription system like Patreon your your way of producing um, PDFs back then which was like one every day or two constantly what? you know day after day week week after week month after month would have been perfect for Patreon back then yeah is the Patreon working mm. for you very much so yes great it's fantastic mm. very I've happy. avoided Patreon specifically or not as a supporter because i support different ones but as a creator i've avoided it because it's an ongoing commitment that i can't make right now Mm. Mm. and kickstarter is much better for me because i can specifically plan out okay this chunk of time yeah i know i can put some attention on this Mm. whereas with the office work i can't tell two months three months six months from now what my daily routine is going to be Mm. like or how much free time Mm. i'll have so I would love to try Patreon. I just can't. Mm. One of the fun mm. things with Patreon is that you can set it to have, instead of having people pay you per month, you can just have them pay you per item. I saw that, mm. and so there's that, a few I back that way, yeah. and I considered that, but then I started to think how many people would be disappointed if it went a month or two months between doing something. Would, would they get frustrated with me? Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking no. it again. Maybe but that is that's no. that's what's blocked me from using Patreon mm. as mm. creator. Mm. But you're doing incredibly yeah. well with Kickstarter. Thank yeah. you. So I've I've spoken several times about my quick starters, which yes. I've just com- we're just completing the third one today. By the time this podcast goes out, it will be over. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm doing a, a new quick starter every three weeks, mm. a two week quick starter every three weeks. Um, and they, those quick starters were, again, not just inspired, but pretty much just copying what you were doing. Mm. You, were, <laughs> you were doing exactly that at the beginning of the year. Mm. And I watched with great interest, and obviously we're friends on Facebook as well, so we've had a few chats there about, about that too. And I was just, you know, this is basically Phil Reed doing now what he was doing in, er- in the early 2000s, just coming up with a different way of mm. publishing these things. So the crazy thing is, mm. I actually have a completely new idea mm. that 
adapts and twists the entire model. Which I'll be calling in just six months, I'm sure. Haven't, <laughs> well, well, I mean, listeners can't see how we both just leaned forward. Like, I don't really? Tell us more, Phil. <laughs> I don't think I'm in a position right now to do it. No. And I haven't had the discussions required to verify that what I am thinking would work. But somebody out there is going to get to this anyway, so I may as well just go into the details. Mm-hmm. But watching PDF Publishing, where it's at now, watching 5th Edition D&D, where it's at now, I have to wonder if there's a way to create a DMs Guild product mm-hmm. that you tell everyone between these dates, between this launch and 30 days later or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will add more to this product every time we cross, cross one of the metal tiers. So you're basically and using you, DMs Guild's uh, ranking yes. system but, as yeah, a Kickstarter stretch gold, stretch goals. Okay. But it won't be a Kickstarter campaign. It will be yeah. purely a mm-hmm. DMs Guild PDF release. Mm-hmm. And the more people who buy it, the more I go back in and update that PDF with, well, here's mm. the new file, and now it's got another 12 pages or whatever mm. added in. That's interesting. And you tell everybody up front, like on day one, yes. and the product yeah. description and everything shows the scales, like on yeah. the, I mean, you list your effective stretch goals mm. on the product page, and you announce yeah. to the world. Um, you would need to get the DMs Guild uh, team behind it to understand what you're mm. doing and accept it, because I, I don't know if there'd be some sort of guidelines or rules that would mm. block I think, you. I don't think you would but, need their permission for that, to be honest. That sounds... Um, and it's not so much that I want their permission if I do it. If, yeah. if I, it works the way I think it does. It. Mm. Yeah. I don't want them mm. to cancel it. I want them to mm. know about it so it's not, why do people keep buying this one? Mm. Yeah, and then yeah. on top of all that, it'd be kind of cool if they also promoted it. Right, yeah. Mm. yeah so yeah. by including them in the planning stage at the beginning, it mm. has a higher chance of success. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I, okay. I've looked at this over and over and over, and I, I just, I don't have time to jump into that level of planning. Mm. And I would want to make sure that I had all the stretch goal content written and ready to go. Yeah. That way yeah, it could yeah. be instant gratification for everyone who's supporting this. Yeah. I mean, imagine how excited that audience would get if you burn mm. through three of those goals mm. in a 24, 48 hour period and they keep getting notice like, Hey, mm. this file has been updated. There's 12 more pages, 12 yeah, more pages. Yeah. Yeah. And you make sure that part of the explanation for this is, only between these windows, this like launch date and whatever the end date mm. for this stage mm. of the project is, the product is like two bucks or yeah. something. Mm. Mm. And you, with each stretch goal, you list this is what the end price will be mm. if this is unlocked. So by the so end, the longer the longer maybe you wait, the uh, the long. Well, and you don't raise the price as you go because you don't want to. It's like no. uh, Kickstarter; you don't want to have an early bird and burn people out and make them upset they came late. No, no. Mm. But you just tell them, like, if we unlock all these so-called stretch goals at the end of this 30-day window, this price mm. is going to 15 bucks or 12 bucks or whatever mm. it is. But for mm. now, it's 2 bucks, So it's more incentive to get in there. And then they're incentivized to also share and discuss it because the more people who mm. get in there, the bigger and better the product gets for everybody. And so with a low price, is, it's at a low price. Spec. Yeah, and yeah. at a low price, it makes it very low risk mm. for people. Ooh. And a lot of the reason I use a low price on Kickstarter is to try and build the uh, number of backers. 
Because if you're following somebody on Kickstarter, every time they back something, you get a notice of what they've backed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. when you've got over a thousand people following a project who, yes, they've each only put in like one or two bucks, that starts to multiply very it's quickly. Effective, it's effectively yeah. a mailing list that you're building. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And on top of that, what I'm finding is I'll have someone come along and join one of these projects for a dollar, mm. mm-hmm. very much like what they've got, and up their pledge to get the older content at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I did a campaign last October for a dozen sinister rumors. Mm-hmm. And that was my first mm-hmm. real attempt at this style of uh, Kickstarter. And since that project launched, yes, the 1900 or whatever people only paid like a buck for that content of 17, uh, 14 page PDFs. Mm. But mm-hmm. since then I've moved over 2000 of mm. those at like 15 bucks each through various Kickstarter campaigns and stuff as people come along and they join and they miss the earlier ones, Mm. but they get in now. And Mm. ultimately what I would love to have happen by the time I'm ready to hit retirement in about seven years (laughs) is to be at a point that I've built this, that Mm. sure the majority of the money is only $1 backers, Mm. but there's 8,000 of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I can run one of these a month and deliver in a month. Like um, mm-hmm. back in July, I ran the dozen frightening rumors campaign, which was very much same model. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when that closed out, all the backers had unlocked. Um, it was almost two thousand people, and mm-hmm. they had unlocked a dozen PDFs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, over the next three weeks, I wrote and delivered a dozen fourteen-page PDFs for everyone yeah nice and that is that is a sustainable model for so long as people love role-playing they love fantasy stuff and Mm. kickstarter remains a strong platform very popular i don't i don't i don't see any of those going going away anytime soon Mm -hmm. and even if something were to happen to kickstarter there's other platforms yes it might take some time to build up a new audience somewhere else yeah yeah but, but I uh, imagine there'd be a certain amount of migration with. Yeah, mm. I would think so. And it mm. it strikes me as long as you can create the content mm-hmm. and keep the quality up and keep everybody engaged and happy at mm-hmm. a buck a month, that's a very sustainable model. Yeah. I think it's fair yeah. to say that at the moment, Kickstarter is the single best platform to sell your stuff for a small yes. publisher. Like mm. it's better than drive through RPG by an order of magnitude. It's better than yeah. sticking stuff on Amazon. It's better than everything. It's just yeah. dwarfs everything. My Kickstarter campaigns for 2020, and people can do this math themselves. They look it up. Um, the nine projects have done over a hundred thousand in US, and by comparison, I think the drive through sales that I've been experimenting with this year is maybe two thousand yeah. dollars for the year. I think someone said to me. Mm. Um, um, did you know that uh, DMs Guild authors are now making more money than regular small press publishers on drive through RPG? And I was thinking, well, of course yes. they are. All the small press publishers are making their money on Kickstarter, not drive through RPG. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at the metal rankings of the titles that go out on DMs Guild, there's a much higher number sales. Yeah. Like, it's not uncommon to see a product release on DMs Guild 
that within the first 30 days has topped 500 mm. sales or something. And on drive through I don't think many products top 500 in the first year, let yeah. alone the first 30 days. But then when you look at Kickstarter, plenty do. Yes. Um, my last project that closed in September was my first that managed to break the 2000 mark. Mm. And it actually broke the 3000 mark in number of backers. Wow. So that was that. Yeah. I was shocked by the strength yeah. of that campaign. Yeah. I'm sort of comparing, I mean, I compare your Kickstarters to mine, obviously, because I'm basically copying you. So, <laughs> so I look at yours and, you know, it's like, what can I learn from this, how it's going and stuff like that. And we, we chat occasionally on Facebook anyway. We're not, you know, we share yeah. information. But, um, yeah, it seems that your backer numbers are higher than mine. Although I think my pledge, my reward um, levels are more expensive than yours. Um, mm. So dollar, and it kind of ends pledge. up about the same amount in total. It kind of swings and roundabouts. but. Mm. I'm telling you that dollar pledge where you get mm. a ton of stuff is yeah. the best way to introduce people to your work. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm. it, a lot of people look at a Kickstarter campaign and they think of the dollar reward is like trash. Like you get our mm. thanks or something yeah. like that. And mine, mine is you get this thing, like mm-hmm. whatever, like uh, I'm launching a new project you tomorrow. Yeah. And the, dollar reward is you get this new 32 page little uh zine mm-hmm. and if the stretch goals are unlocked you get three different 32 page zines mm-hmm. in pdf for a buck yeah so and, uh, yeah. yeah that's a very it, that's such a low risk investment that people are willing to try it yeah i mean because what's the dollar by you yeah yeah and my goal is to make what i deliver so good and that they enjoy it so much that they go back and see like what else mm. has been done. What else can I get? Or at times I will start releasing the preview PDF during the Kickstarter mm. campaign mm. as backers only to help, like help me find the typos. Let's fix all the errors before I print something. Yeah. And a lot of times as I start releasing those, I'll see people jump from that dollar PDF up to a higher level or a mm. print reward mm. things like that, because they, They've seen they're it there. They're, they're, they're yeah. being introduced mm. to it. They see what it is. And yeah. I, I've had a it's lot of people. It's not even a lost leader, is it? Um, not necessarily. No. Um, I don't look at. There's no extra cost, is there? Because you've got the PDF. No. And once you've yeah. done a certain amount, you covered your costs. Mm. And then everything on top of that is basically distribution costs, which with yes. electronic distribution is pretty much zero. Yeah. And I don't try and look at individual. Uh, rewards like how much did this person give me when I'm planning out one of these Kickstarter campaigns? I just look at the mm. overall total, mm. and mm, 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 mm. I don't care if the way I got to twenty thousand dollars was uh, two thousand people, a thousand of which only spent a dollar. Yeah, mm. or if it was twenty thousand people who each spent a dollar, though that would be awesome. Mm. That would be, um, in fact, a better way. It's, yeah. it's the yeah. it's the mm. total because I'm not looking to get as much money out of every single person as I can. I'm just looking to build something sustainable that brings in X number of dollars each yeah. time that I attempt one of these projects. So this dollar mm. figure, this sort of magic dollar figure, has been part of your strategy going back 20 years because it's what you were doing when you started yes. um, mm. with, uh, with, with, with the dollar PDFs on drive through RPG. So, mm. so was that was that what was in your mind back then as well? Was that exact same thing? Like, what I want is a lot of people spending a little bit of money rather than a few people yes. spending a lot. 
Yes. The way I described it back then was my PDFs were intended to be more like a magazine article than a book. Yeah. Mm. Uh, something compact, give you like information just on a thing. And also I wanted to think of it as I'm at the checkout counter. Mm -hmm. You're leaving, you've come in, you've bought like two other PDFs and you're like, well, these are only a buck. I'll get three of these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like like, like chocolate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's been my thought process. how How long were you doing that for originally? feels to me like you're doing it for ages, but I don't think it was actually that long, was it? it was... <laughs> um, roughly five years. Yeah. I published my first PDF in 2002, and mm. that was uh, 101 Spellbooks, which at the time was not the way people were publishing PDFs mm. because I priced it like three bucks, mm-hmm. and it was just 101 Spellbooks, yeah. which if people don't know my work, that sounds like a... Maybe I've created a table of 101 of something, but that's no. not what I do when I create these. Uh, they are designed to be more adventure seeds, story designed, and there's a lot more going on. Like these dozens PDFs I've been creating on Kickstarter for the last year now, mm. you tell somebody a dozen sinister rumors and people who don't know my work immediately think it's going to be a one page table. Yeah. Mm. But no, it's, it's a 14 page PDF with a cover page, a little anatomy, like here's how you use this. And then 12 Mm. full page Mm. rumors that are adventure seeds. They're like hooks, they're ideas. And uh, GMs can use these either as just some background flavor. The characters are in a tavern and they hear these rumors or when they're inspired, they can break these out and Mm. turn them into actual encounters or adventures. Mm. And, When I published that 101 spell books, it shocked me at how many copies it sold, how quickly. Mm. I can't remember the exact number, but I published it. It was like on a Friday or something. And then I flew off to meet some friends in Portland and just hang out. And a few days later, I happened to log in because I'm like, oh, I wonder what this thing's doing. And it had already been like hundreds of copies Mm. sold with almost no marketing. I think think Mm. my marketing was a post on Ian World. Yeah, and well, there was a lot of blog. less stuff on Drive Through at the time, though, as well. Yes, it was. Much, it was the early yes. days. It was a lot smaller, and it was a lot easier to yes. stand out, wasn't it? Hmm. Whereas these days, you post fun. you post something on Drive Through, and it drops off the front page within you know forty five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, easily. Yeah, but I've I've been thinking about ways to work around that as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I've thought it might be kind of fun to create a new PDF that I would normally price at six or seven bucks, Mm -hmm. but then do uh, an update for one of my previous projects and let everybody know, here's a drive-through coupon to get this new title for a buck. Right. Yeah. And you send that out to a thousand or 2000 people and half of them say, Oh, I want that and spend the buck. You're going to shoot up on those sales charts really fast, which is going to bring the other people who aren't aware of your work. The algorithm on there, I think, has a time element to it as well, though. So after a while, you can't shoot back up, I think. I'm not 100% yes. sure. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about it, and there is there's some things you would have to do to make it work. Mm. And I know there's a threshold price where it won't really trigger either. Because, like, I can't send out a penny coupon yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, here you go, get it for a nickel, and then take over the charts it has to be actual money yeah yeah. and it would probably take some experimentation to find exactly where that works so there would be 
there would be some upfront cost just in releasing PDFs and saying, well, here it is for $1.50. What did that do to the algorithm? Where did mm. that put it on the charts? Uh, $2 mm. and just find that sweet spot. So what, what but it's you- leveraging the investment in time and building up an audience and teaching yeah. people like, this is what I do. This is what I make, but trying to use it on a different platform. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I haven't, ex- I haven't attempted that, but it's something I've thought about and tried to think through. Okay. How could mm-hmm. I do this? Well, it seems that whatever mm-hmm. platform you approach, you kind of break it. I mean, I mean, nah, in a positive <laughs> way, but you know, you do something that everybody else isn't really doing. And then you show how that can work. And it's usually rooted in this lots of people paying a little bit kind of philosophy. Yes. Um, Yes. And so you did that with Drive to RPG. You've done that with Kickstarter. You're thinking about ways of doing it with DMs Guild, although you say you haven't the time. I don't know if I have the time, but I think it would work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it would too. I think it would too. So you you did that. So you say you did that for about five years back in the early 2000s. Yeah, it's about five solid years. So what made you stop? Steve called me and needed someone to come in and help run things. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, I had published a lot of PDFs by then Mm. and Mm. I kind of hit a ceiling where like this seems to be the most or the best I can do with this platform. Yeah. And, uh, wizards that announced fourth edition, I kind of glance at them like, eh, I don't think this is going to be for me or, Mm be really sustainable if they do release a license for it and it was about that time steve was saying hey i could use some help munchkin was really starting to take off Mm. and he needed some just support on the management side and i said why not let's do it and i've been back there now over 13 years yeah yeah so i think it's probably fair you, you pretty much run the company there don't you that is my job i see it as my primary task is to protect Steve's business Mm -hmm. so that when Steve wants to play with the business, Mm -hmm. it's there and we have the resources to make the thing he wants to make at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of that is just making sure that we protect everybody's jobs. And this year has been far more challenging than any of us expected, but I am very Mm. proud to say that no one's been fired nobody's like hours have been cut or pay cut anything Mm. like that. We've actually managed to send out some bonuses to people Excellent. and we're showing a profit for the year. Our revenue is definitely down quite a bit from previous years, but Mm. we're profitable and everyone has their jobs. And since Steve is the sole owner and we operate purely on a cash flow basis, Mm. we have no loans or anything like that Mm -hmm. to stress over. I see it as a win. Yeah, It's been a rough year, but we've made it work. Um, I should correct slightly there because we did apply for and get one of the government uh, PPP loans Mm. here in the U.S., Uh but theoretically that will transfer into a grant or something at that point. So, yeah, typically we do not take outside funding, but this time with the way things were and the government program that was offered, we're like, yeah, we should try and get in on this. So what's uh, Steve Jackson's kind of day-to-day role in the company then? If you're doing all the, all the, all, all the hard work, what you, what's, what's, what's his role? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve works pretty hard. He's mm. got a lot going on. We stay in touch regularly, but he's finally doing what he wanted to do, and that's more of the creative side. He's spent a lot of time over the last couple of years working on the fantasy trip role-playing yeah. game. Yeah. 
ever since he got the rights back to that and working on Munchkin titles. He's been doing some work on Ogre. Mm -hmm. We have an entirely new product line that we're working on that has been his like brainchild and baby that he takes care of. Yeah. Yeah. And then a good chunk of his time is listening to me complain about the world and just <laughs> issues because he he understands exactly the frustrations that I go through mm. by running the company because he did it for so very long. So yeah. he is my first contact a lot of times with, I don't know what went wrong here and I do not know how to fix it. Have you ever dealt with this before? Yeah, yeah. So he he's very much involved in the day-to-day we've just finally gotten things to a point that it doesn't have to be the day-to-day stress of running a business you're going to be more day-to-day creative work Mm. which Mm. i'm kind of jealous of but he earned it yeah i I, I kind of find that myself i spend far too much time doing non-creative stuff which frustrates me immensely Mm. a lot better these days because i um i now have a publishing administrator who does a lot of that Mm. for me but go back a couple of years, I was finding all of my time was spent on spreadsheets and emails and, you know, and not enough of it on a word processor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I what, hate spreadsheets. So, so, what, so you, 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 you work at, back at uh, Steve Jackson Games back from 13 years, you said? 2007. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to start delving back into self-publishing again in the last couple of years? I needed a creative outlet that was a hundred percent under my control and didn't have the roadblock obstacles and narrow choke points that we deal with as a company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At the company, we need to make sure that what we're doing is profitable and isn't wasting anyone's time. Mm. Whereas with a creative project, I can just, do it and I don't have to worry about am I making enough money at this to yeah. make it worthwhile? Am I jeopardizing anybody's jobs? Am I using the right color that everybody else in the company who's involved is like, oh yeah, that looks great. I can just do my own mm. thing. And mm-hmm. this year has been especially useful for that because I use work as a coping mechanism when like things are crazy and intense. I just work harder and work more Mm -hmm. and I've needed a lot of coping in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Haven't we? It is. Mm. So, and I'm not sleeping as much. So I'm getting more hours in the middle of the night to write. And that helps like, um, earlier this month, it was, I think, I think the first of the month I had an idea for a new book. Mm. So I started work. And I was very angry at myself at the end of the weekend because I'd spent two days and I wasn't done. Mm. So the next weekend I finished the book and within three weeks of concept to holding the physical sample in my head, I had, or had hands. I had a 64 page hardcover that I had put together. I think you're very, very similar to me me in the way you approach work. Every time you say stuff, I feel like you're describing me. It's really quite... I do exactly the same thing. I have an idea and then it has to turn into a book really quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I need to get this out of me and into a finished form. Yeah. Because there's so many more behind that one that they're just mm. going to run each other over mm. if I don't finish. So right. what's the upcoming Kickstarter, which I think you said is launching today, tomorrow? Mm. Uh, well, um, Today we're talking, but I think you said the podcast releases on Halloween. Yes, Saturday. Yes. Yeah. 
That's right. So then uh, in the future of Radio Time, the Kickstarter project launches today on Halloween. (laughs) It is for a 32-page zine for the uh, Mjorkborg role-playing game. Mm -hmm. They announced an open license. I think it was like September 9th or 10th or something like that. And Mm -hmm. on September 13th, I said, yes, this system is really... I'd already by then like gotten into the game a bit because Mm -hmm. it is so Mm -hmm. rules-light and weird and just... Mm. Fun. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to write something for this. So mm. I wrote a little 32 page, uh, like five and a half by eight and a half full color book of monsters mm. and creatures, mm. like things like that. And that was so much fun. I wrote a second one and that was so much fun. I wrote a third one. So the Kickstarter campaign that launches to, uh, on Halloween mm. today for all the listeners <laughs> in the wild is for those three zines and it's a $666 goal. Mm. And that gets the first zine unlocked. And then there's stretch goals Mm. to unlock the other two. Mm. And for this project, I'm trying something completely new and working Mm. with a UK fulfillment partner so that I can offer the print rewards outside of the United States. Mm. I do not know how this is going to go, but this company was recommended to me as reliable Mm -hmm. And I've had some calls with them now, and I've been very comfortable and happy with how mm. those have gone. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I hope I'm not buying myself a disaster and a headache. I am sure. But no. yeah, it sounds like it's good. It's uh, it, it sounds good. I think it's and I'm and I'm using uh, Mixam to print the zines, mm. and Mixam mm-hmm. has a UK location. So for the uh, UK and Europe and Canada and Australia rewards that are all shipping from the UK, yeah. I'll just print what's necessary in the UK, yeah. have it sent to the fulfillment company, they'll do it from there. And then on the US side, I'll use a US Mixum mm. location to print and then just use my normal fulfillment process. Yeah, it saves you having to so. ship pallets of books across the ocean, yeah. Which is horrible, yeah. as you know. Yeah, as I am doing right now, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, for those who don't know, could you just quickly sort of tell, tell us what Morkborg actually is? I think we've covered it on a Kickstarter before, but a recap wouldn't go in this. Yeah. So, it is presented as a doom metal, like, rock and roll, hardcore mm. fantasy dungeon crawl Everything's terrible. The world is coming to an end. It is extremely rules light, which I appreciate because uh, while I can enjoy a more complicated game, game. yeah, just putting the rock back into rock and rock. That's yeah, and it's a lot more freeform than many games. Like when you create monsters for this game, you're not stressing about the how do all the segments fit together and is this balanced or anything. No, it's what is the wildest, craziest thing I can imagine to throw at the player characters? But it is a fantasy dungeon crawl game set in a dark, disturbing world that is coming to an end. There are seals being unlocked. Uh, It's Mm. like a prophecy. So everything is coming to an end. It's going to be destroyed at some point. And as adventurers, well, Mm. clearly you're going to try and collect as much loot as you can before the world ends. Mm. It feels like it's got a really sort of advanced Dungeons & Dragons, sort of first edition sort of feel to it? Um, a little bit. It's. I think people have to look at it to see it because a lot of the game is in the visual approach. It's mm. a very distressed design, uh, lots of colors, lots of fonts, lots of scratchy, crazy artwork. Mm. 
it makes me it makes me think a lot of David David Carson's design work on the Ray Gun magazine back in the '90s that eventually went mainstream. So if you see things like I can't read this mm-hmm. unless I stop and really focus on it, that's kind of where this gets to at times. It's a beautiful book. I mean, it is if you're into distressed design, this is one yeah. of the most like ridiculously attractive role playing yeah, game yeah. books ever. It, it, it feels a bit like it's hewn rather than printed almost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And something I've seen is people either love it or hate it mm. when, when they get into just looking at it. Very Marmite. Yeah. I, I recommend, I recommend looking it up online and it's almost a case of you can judge a book by its cover because if you look at this <laughs> yeah. and you're like, that cover is amazing. You already know what you're interested in. Yeah. 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 You're probably going to like what's inside. And if you look at it and you're like, what is this and what is happening? Yeah. yeah. You may be better off not opening the book. It may not be for you. <laughs> so, so what will we find in your, in your zine then? The, the, the mm. product coming out on the Kickstarter now. Oh, I, I, I um, just like to say, by the way, I love how you just talk about, oh, and then I knocked out this, 64 page hardback book in the course of two weekends. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> people regard this as being quite a lot of It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I did another yeah, day two pages. Yeah. I was like, oh, had to get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that looks lovely. Oh, that looks gorgeous. Yes. We got like, oh, I did. Yeah, uh, so this is a I love the color scheme, book of way. monsters. Mm-hmm. What's that? I love the color scheme, the black and yellow. Very strong. That is that is pure inspired by the Mjork Borg role playing mm. game. They use a lot of yellows and pinks. Yeah, um, yeah. I even mixed in a slight bit of crazy pinkish here mm. and there in my own design. But this uh, hardcover book is not part of the current Kickstarter campaign. Mm. It was going to be, but the more I started looking at the book, the more I realized. I want to go with a different printer so I can do a much higher premium quality mm. version mm. because I want to okay. do the the headbands. I want to do the bookmark yeah. ribbon. I want to mm. do a slip case. Mm. So, so what's that? Is, that? is that print on demand? That this one? is Mixum again. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And mm. if you've not tried Mixum yet, I highly recommend them. Uh, am I allowed to say Kalo's Book of Monsters? Or? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kalo's Book of Monsters. Very nice. Yeah. And it is yeah. uh, just each page, uh, two pages. It is gorgeous. Is a monster. It is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Got sort of really strong yellow, black sort of um, background, and then you've got like a half page or near full page of a black and white drawing of a monster, and it's a nice style as well. Mm. And I went yeah. with a slightly odd size because the mm. book is six and a quarter inches wide by eleven inches tall. Mm. Yeah, all in nice. so yeah. it's basically mm. the same height as any like core D and D book, but mm. uh, about uh, yeah. two inches narrower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it feels good in hand. So yeah, I am one thing that's always impressed me with you is, of course, you not only do your own writing, you do your own layout work and everything, which is something I can't yes. do. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have to, I have to pay other people to do layout and do the art and do. And well, that. and I, I'm a very visual person, mm. so what I do when I'm creating one of these projects, like these uh, zines, mm. what I do is I actually construct the visual first, yeah. and then in the layout program itself, I write to 
the visuals mm. and also to the space. So I'm not then coming along later and trying to fit everything into a specific space. Yeah. As I'm working, I know how much space I have. And um, the visuals change as it goes along because I'll go mm. in and I'll be like, oh, I have a better idea. I need some more room. So I'm going to resize this arch. Mm. Or I'm going to move this over here. And it's a constantly shifting and changing process. But yeah. I start by first visually constructing the entire thing, the mm -hmm. covers, every page inside. So that's my mm -hmm. almost like a visual outline. Yeah. Like for a the project to start writing on then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I start the writing process once the entire thing is in place. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I'll go back and start adding some pages or things like that. And be like, Oh, this idea yeah. turned out far cooler than I expected. I really should give it an extra two pages or an extra four pages. I'm always envious of that ability to just be a one-man shop and just do all that yourself. I just, well, it just it just I requires skills that I don't have to do that, unfortunately for me. And I started from that direction because back in the mid-90s, I was doing newspaper and magazine design. Mm. And then from there, I went to work for Steve Jackson Games doing uh, layout and visuals, things like mm. that. And I just mm. kept adding to their my different oh, tasks right so, uh, so the kickstarter what's it called um it is strange citizens of the city strange citizens Ooh. of the city and we will be putting that in the show notes so people can follow the link and thank you back it. um i did i did ask earlier but we kind of drifted off topic slightly um what what can we expect to find in in this zine I'm oh hoping for so NPCs. it is it is a uh 2d6 table yeah yeah. Uh, and each entry in the table is a two-page spread, and it's a new <laughs> character or monster that you would find in the city. Right. And the way it's designed is there's artwork to yep. show yeah. the character or creature, and yeah. there's game stats for the New York board game, and mm -hmm. then yeah. plus a bunch of descriptive text about the character or the monster or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And a lot of them are interlinked. Mm -hmm. So what the GM can do is roll 2d6, flip to the right place in the book and mm -hmm. say, this is the character that everyone's met in the city. On top mm -hmm. of that, some of the characters um, mm -hmm. have like hired goons. So they've got like some thugs with them. So there's a table in the back of some yeah. hired goons mm -hmm. that you can nice. mix in. And then on top of that is another table of random characters. Uh, possibly harmless wanderers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and these nice. are just other small little characters you could toss in. There's a little section of rumors mm. that you mm. may overhear in the city. The entire mm. thing is a 32 page, five and a half wide, bay and a half tall. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun to create. Mm. I, I, I had a blast but rules light and the weirdness mm. of Mjorkborg just mm. perfectly fit my yes. pace. So I was able to go wild and it was mm. so much fun that I did make two more of them. Almost. <laughs> yeah, just, just while you were there, you're like, oh, I've got my computer on. I might as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a work ethic I can get behind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I've been absolutely captivated. Um, Thank you. It's just been a really interesting, fascinating. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ideas, and 
maybe, maybe you can expect to see like something from DM publishing uh, happening on Triumph RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear making notes. <laughs> Somebody's got to try that DM's Guild idea. I really think it would work. No, I'm no. quite happy with the way the, the mini quick starters are going right now. Yeah, yeah very, those very are fun. happy with that. You should try a shorter yeah. one. I did. Mm. This one is 10 days instead of 14. Okay. Uh, mm. Mainly I was kind of forced to because it was Halloween themed. Mm, and I okay. wanted to squeeze it in before Halloween yeah. and end, end the day before Halloween. It seems to have done pretty much as well as the 14 days one. But, you know, each yeah. one builds on the previous ones anyway yes. because you get new. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, at least, each one should do better mm. than the I, one before. I want to run a 24-hour campaign, and I'm going yeah, to I at thought, some point. I have thought about that because you look at the traditional mm. Kickstarter pattern, and it's that U-shape. Then you yep. think a good third of your sales come in that first 24, 48 hours. What yeah. if you just ignored the rest of it? <laughs> just had that 24, 48 hours, waited a few days, and then did another one and just had that 24, 48 hours again. And you never had the day. Yeah. The, the other idea I had was to do a three-day campaign mm. because you get the launch notification goes out and 24 hours later, the here's your last 48-hour 48 notification yeah. goes out. And mm-hmm. yes, the majority of the, the financing is in the first couple days in the last couple days mm. so why don't we just get rid of the middle? yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and, and then you can just I, do what I thought is what if i ran a 24-hour campaign to create a thing that i make during the 24-hour campaign mm. so the project starts with just the bare framework like mm-hmm. this is the thing i'm going to make mm-hmm. and then throughout the day as the project's going on every two or three hours i post an update this is where I'm at now. This wow. is where I'm at now. This is, and just try and. I will be watching uh, with uh, schedule. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. I mean, I, I really think trying the sort of three day, maybe three day up, maybe that's braver than I would dare to be. Maybe a week, a week mm. long Kickstarter, mm. and see if you could do two of those a month. Two week long yeah. Kickstarters a month could be right. could be fun. Wow. Interesting. And as long as sure it's you... a low price, yeah. if it's a low mm. price, people won't feel like oh, and I as long as you up. can fulfill quickly as well, you don't uh, want to be left with like but, having but, seven but, unfulfilled kickstarters in your PDF only projects that are written mm. and ready. Mm. I mean, I still mm. get responses from people just amazed where they're receiving their notice from me with "Here's your stuff" before they even got the Kickstarter notice that mm. their money's been taken out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, my, you've my, done that. My record's yeah. under a second now. Yes. <laughs> and that is amazing. I can't beat that one. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't beat that one now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to deliver yeah. before I run the project next time. I'll show you. <laughs> Just please pay me. <laughs> I made a thing. I'm going to run a Kickstarter project. If you liked it, back it. Actually, one, so one thing we have done in ours is... Um, on the slightly larger Kickstarters, we've yeah. had sort of stretch goals, but they're not really stretch goals because they're rewards that get sent out immediately. Yes. Yeah, so as soon as you hit 10,000. No, that's still a stretch goal. I suppose yeah, extra so, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you did that hardcover this year where that was the stretch goals, mm. and I thought it was really yeah. cool. And every time we hit a stretch goal, I just posted a new PDF in the, uh, in the updates on the yeah. Kickstarter when people downloaded it. It, mm. it worked yep. really well. Oh, I um, thought that was but, cool. But, but Phil, I, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. It would be absolute pleasure to have you come back at some point um, and tell us more about like 
whatever amazing ideas you come up with. <laughs> uh, the Mork Ball Kickstarter looks... I haven't even played Mork Ball, but I'm looking at that book and thinking, I want to play yeah. Mork Ball. Yeah. It's, one of, it's one of those things that just visually it makes a statement and grabs you. Yes, it really does. Thank you so much for having me on. I really had a good time. It's oh, been lovely. a really fun talk to you. I'm so because yeah. I've kind of known you sort of online for so long, but this right. is the first time we've ever actually spoken. Well, theoretically, next year there will be a UK Games Expo, and I'll make that one. Definitely, could be. Hopefully, could be. hopefully, we'll make it too. We'll look forward to it should it happen. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, Peter is on holiday, but our good friend Shane Stacks will be co-hosting with me, and our guest will be Ed Jowett, who's been on the podcast before. But until then, thank you all for listening. It's goodbye from me, Russ. That's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Walkways. That's goodbye from me, Phil Reed at Steve Jackson Games. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Hmm. It is 100% backwards compatible. That's that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we have a cat. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, that's, back, that's back to no cats. Up there. Hmm. Anyway, but yeah, um, looking forward to it.